PFG Private Wealth Management LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. The topics and information discussed during this podcast are not intended to provide tax or legal advice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed on this podcast. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Insurance products and services are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed insurance agents. The rules of retirement have changed. No longer can most of us rely on Social Security or a single pension to fund our futures. We're living longer and retirement doesn't just last a handful of years anymore. Instead, you might stay retired for 20 or 30 years and maybe even more. We need to look at retirement through a new lens with fresh eyes, with a new approach and plan of attack. Here to answer the call are financial advisors John Texera and Nick McDevitt of PFG Private Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Tampa Bay area. This podcast is Retirement Planning Redefined, and it starts right now. Welcome into another edition of the podcast. It's Retirement Planning Redefined with John and Nick from PFG Private Wealth. Find them online at pfgprivatewealth.com if you've got questions or concerns about your retirement strategy or lack thereof. And this week, we're going to be talking about Till Debt Do Us Part, resolving potential financial sources of tension between couples because, let's be honest, married couples fight, and often it's about money, right? That's usually the number one reason that we get into arguments. So we've got five that we want to identify and talk through a little bit and try to, you know, hopefully shine some light on some places where we can talk about some of these things and, and maybe get onto the same page uh, and not have these arguments. Because a lot of times these things happen in front of advisors the very first time. Uh, guys, not too long ago, I was just chatting with another advisor who said he was sitting down with a, a married couple. They were talking, they were going over the stuff, and, and they were pleasantly surprised about some extra money that they were going to have. And and uh, the husband says, great, we're going to buy an RV and travel the country. And the wife looked at him and said, since when? Like you've never ever brought this up before. So it was the first time she had ever heard it. So we want to make sure that that's not happening, right? We want to try to have these conversations ideally with each other before we sit down with an advisor, but certainly that's going to happen as well because you guys, as you know, uh, often wind up having to be a little bit of marriage counselors sometimes when it comes to dealing with finance in front of folks. So that's going to be the topic this week. We're going to get into it. Nick, how you doing, buddy? Doing well, doing well, thanks. Yeah, you ever run into that situation where a couple said something in front of you and you could tell the other one was completely caught off guard? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep, yep. It's uh, par for the course. You know, yeah, that's when the uh, the couple's therapy hat goes on. That's right. And yeah. um, honestly, that's one of the probably, you know, a, a lot of advisors don't work in teams like John and I do oftentimes. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say one of the things that, it helps with the most is just being able to kind of pick up on like, you know, social cues a little bit easier from, you know, um, from both people, just because, you know, people depending upon their personality, they, they may show you a lot with their expression. Yeah. little tandem action there. John, I mean, married, you know, you're married. I'm married. Married couples argue. Right. And money is usually the big deal. 
Whoa, 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 whoa. Speak for yourself, Mark. I don't know, you know where it's, it's I know. all uh, Your wife's listening. That's right. Make sure you don't say anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it does happen, right? And and money's the number one argument point. So let's let's talk about these five that we've identified here that, that people tend to run into uh, in y'all's industry, right? So risk tolerance, for start that first one, risk tolerance and in investments. I mean, this is pretty simple. You know, if you're talking about two people, there's a good chance one feels one way about something and the other one feels the other way, especially when it comes to being married couple. And so one person may be more aggressive with the portfolio and one's not, right? That simple. Yeah. And this does happen quite a bit because everyone has different risk tolerances, personalities, and how they react to the market. Um, you know, what, what we typically do in this situation is each person will fill out their own kind of risk tolerance questionnaire. And that gives us understanding of how to invest each uh, portfolio. And if it's a joint account, we, you know, we usually have a discussion of, hey, how does this fit in the overall plan and the strategy? So, you know, again, I hate to sound like a broken record, record, but we really try to have the plan dictate, you know, how much risk we should be taking. And then obviously the risk tolerance comes into play. But, um, you know, what we do in this situation is we take account both risks uh, levels and then we'll try to incorporate that into the plan and make sure that, you know, it, it's in line with with what we're um, showing for numbers. Yeah. And I think, I mean, this is a pretty basic one here, but we want to make sure that both parties are feeling comfortable with the risk that they're taking, right? I mean, it's just that simple. So to not have the argument, you don't want to be, have the portfolio, you know, 90% in the market, for example, just as throwing numbers out there, if the other person's tolerance is only going to be comfortable with, you know, half of that or, you know, less than that. So you want to have those conversations. And it's also good to work with an advisor who can help you kind of go through. And this is why the, another piece of the importance of both parties being involved with the financial planning process so that they both are getting their needs met as well as understanding what's happening and, and knowing what their plan is. So that's the first one. Nick, let's talk about the second one, retirement age. My wife and I are five years apart, and she jokes all the time, and I don't think she's joking, uh, but all the time she's like, you're going to retire five years before me, and I don't think I like that because she just doesn't want to see me goofing off and having fun while she's going to work. Understandable, but something you got to talk about. Yeah, uh, it's definitely something that uh, comes up quite a bit, and it's interesting. Honestly, it varies uh, quite a bit from couple to couple. I've seen it go from anything from – you know, one person really enjoys their job more than another and they plan to work longer and and they're, you know, comfortable and happy with that. Um, in the last few years, we've had people shift to working from home and that has kept them in the job, you know, longer. They don't have to do the commute anymore. Um, we've even had clients, you know, kind of move maybe a little further out into the burbs because of it and, you know, start their kind of adjustment to retirement by being in a quieter area, you know, that sort of thing. Also, you know, kind of, you know, in, in a funny way, sometimes couples are like, you know, we need to ease into this whole spending all this extra time together, you know, sort of thing. So us doing it at the same time may not be best, <laughs> um, right. you know, for us as well. So, and then, you know, purely from a financial standpoint, there could be a significant age gap or, or maybe, you know, at least, three to five years where, you know, the cost of health insurance, you know, those sorts of things for the younger one um, could make, you know, a significantly negative impact on the overall plan if they were to retire early. And so they just do it, you know, they continue to work just for that reason alone. 
Yeah. I mean, so you got to have those conversations to kind of sort that out a little bit so that you don't have that argument or that fight over what, you know, what's going on, things of that nature. And again, this could be an easy one, but it also may not be depending on the age disparity or even just from the financial standpoint of figuring out, you know, the ideal way to do this. Uh, John, let's go to number three for you here on legacy for the family, for heirs or whatever the case is. Um, You know, I joke with my daughter all the time. We only have the one, but I joke with her. I'm like, I'm not leaving you anything but a credit card statement, right? So she's, you know, she's expecting to get Nada. She knows that's not true. But for folks who have multiple kids like yourself, right, it could be simple where uh, one party wants to leave them a whole bunch and the other party doesn't, right? You, We worked hard for this. We want to enjoy our retirement with the money that we've, you know, that we put together. The kids are doing fine. So I, you know, I don't want to leave as as much, and that's certainly the source of tension between a married couple if one's wanting to give a lot and one's wanting to give a little. Yeah, this was probably, um, I would say, in my planning kind of you know, career here, the biggest tension one I've seen actually, because um, you know, depending on you know if you're setting aside money to leave for a legacy, and you're not spending it. That is that, that can make a big impact to what you do in retirement. So you know, again, the planning does help this out where you start to kind of see it. But this is definitely one where I would say it's it's a conversation to have and making sure that everyone is on the same page as far as what is the goal um, for leaving a legacy to kids or grandkids. Yeah, and the grandkids could certainly be another whole equation in that too, right? The, although the funny thing is, is couples tend to get on the same page about the grandkids. <laughs> It's like, yes, <laughs> how the heck with the kids? Just give it all to the grandkids. Right. Um, but again, you've got to really talk about how you're going to separate that out. And, and Nick, do you see that as a, kind of the biggest one as well? Uh, as John's mentioned, he's that's the thing he's seen the most in his career. Uh, do you see that quite often as well? Yeah, I would I would agree with him on that. It's uh that's definitely the case for me as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, again, it's, let's leave them as much as we can. No, they're doing just fine. We've given them everything throughout their life. I'm not leaving them that much. That's what I, my wife and I joke about with our kid. We're like, I'm not leaving her nothing. We've given her tons of stuff. You know, she can, she's doing well on her own. She doesn't need any of the stuff that we have. We're going to enjoy our retirement ourselves. So we don't have yeah, big fights it, about it, but you could. And Mark, actually, one thing that I've seen at work is a kind of in-between, if this debt does become um, kind of a sticky point, is... I've seen some clients that, you know, instead of leaving money, it's, hey, let's do some things that we enjoy with the family. So instead of just saying, hey, we're going to leave you this nest egg, maybe it's we go on a vacation and we kind of pay for everybody to come. So we kind of create memories versus just, you know, passing away and just leaving them a chunk of money. So that's kind of an in-between where it's, hey, I want to enjoy my retirement. We'll leave for the kids. Let's kind of do both. Gotcha. That's a great point. Yeah, for sure. So maybe trying to enjoy that while everybody's around is a good way of looking at that. Um, let's do number four here. Housing in retirement, probably the second biggest one, more than likely. Do we downsize? Do we not? Well, we raise the kids here. I want to stay here and, and, and raise the grandkids here kind of thing, like have the grandkids come here for those great memories. But financially, it makes more sense to downsize or whatever. Right. So there's a whole plethora of arguments that can pop up around uh, the housing issue, Nick. Yeah, the housing issue, you know, from a almost like a hyper local standpoint here has really become quite interesting uh, because in, you know, to a certain extent in other areas as well, but, you know, in, in our area here, we've had uh, really home values kind of post COVID double and then interest rates go up. So there's this, you know, uh, stuck factor where in theory, somebody, you know, may look to downsize their home, but for what they would, you know, get for the money, the the change in taxes, 
you know, um, if there was financing involved, it's one thing if they'd be able to pay cash, but if there would be financing involved, a lot of times that cuts into any sort of gain that they would get. So unless they're like shifting out to an area that's sub- substantially, you know, less expensive or that sort of thing, there, you know, people are a little bit more stuck um, than they than they had been previously, which we see that from the standpoint and the perspective of low inventory and that sort of thing. So we're in a, an interesting cycle and it's going to be uh, pretty interesting to see how that ages in the next few years um, because we've already had some clients that had looked into uh, downsizing, but wanted to stay local and they're, you know, with the pricing where it's at, it just didn't make, didn't end up making financial sense. So the downside of that is that there's more maintenance and the house is harder to keep up. So instead they're spending money on, you know, maybe like a, some services related to the home that they hadn't before. So um, it's it's pretty interesting. Some clients that have relocated from other areas of the country where the housing markets are higher, they've been able to you know have that be a a, a downsize that's been that's worked out well for them. Um, but that gap used to be much more substantial. You know what they would sell a house for, and you know maybe the eastern seaboard versus what they could buy something for here now is the gap is much smaller than it used to be. So. Um, although for some areas it's still, you know, it's still like a better value. It, yeah. It's changed. Yeah. I mean, it, it's easy enough to get into these arguments about different things and certainly anything that's emotionally attached, uh, like leaving money to the kids or raising the grandkids or, you know, I keep saying raising, but spending time with the grandkids in the same home where you raise your children can certainly carry a lot of emotional weight to that. Uh, but if the finance or the math bears out in a different direction and one party's leaning towards math and finance and the other one's leaning toward emotion can certainly lead to arguments. So again, and also not having the conversations until you sit down with the advisor, probably not the best way to go about that either. We're going to sell the house. No, we're not. We're going to stay in the house. And you guys are left sitting there going, oh boy, this is going to be fun, right? So definitely something you want to have a conversation about. And then the last one, guys, is uh, is also a pretty big one as well, which is just retirement lifestyle in general. Again, what do you want to do? I used my wife and I as an example a minute ago. I'm going to retire before she does, and she travels a lot for work. Well, she doesn't want to travel that much in retirement. She wants to be at home and enjoy her garden and so on and so forth. And I'm like, well, I'm always working from home, especially while she's traveling now, so I want to get out and do things once we retire. So we're in two different spaces. We've got to find a way to make that work as we get there. And many couples face that same kind of analogy. Yeah, th- this happens quite a bit um, in understanding and getting that aligned. And, and I think with all these topics, you know, I'll say that, you know, just sitting down and starting the financial plan will answer a lot of these questions and making it come to light. And, um, you know, once you see the plan, you'll really start to determine, hey, you know, should we downsize? What can we leave to the kids? Um, retirement age, etc. And then also, you know, what are the what are the things we can do in retirement? And, and it really opens up the conversation. Um, and, you know, just kind of give you scenarios here. I just had a client that uh, she just, she herself, her goal was to hike the Appalachian Trail. She just did about half of it. And, um, you know, the husband, you know, didn't want to do that. I mean, she did it. And then he would actually meet her at certain spots on the trail and they would hang out and then he'd, he'd fly back home. But, um, you know, those are things that, you know, she wanted to do. And, and she's, you know, she's not the only one. I have some other people like that as well. If, if it's that drastically of a difference, you know, some people might do things solo off their bucket list. But the majority of the time, you know, I'll say maybe we've been fortunate that we've worked with people that will actually compromise and, and work with each other, even if they have different um, kind of bucket lists in retirement. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, you want to chime in on this one? Yeah. I mean, it's really an interesting dynamic. I, 
I see it now more with my parents who uh, both retired during COVID. The caveat with them is that my grandmother lives uh, with them. So that puts some restrictions on, you know, what they can do. And, and we have a lot of clients who have that same sort of, you know, situation. Right. Um, which is also another reason, you know, for people to, you know, kind of be strategic about how they're going to, you know, the things that they want to do and, um, and, you know, be able to plan around that sort of thing. And like, as an example for, for my parents, uh, I have an uncle that's going to fly down and, and stay with my grandmother for a week and they're going to go, you know, travel a little bit, go out West for a wedding and, um, be able to kind of enjoy that time. So, People that tend to be homebodies too, I think I've seen, you know, maybe struggle a little bit more than others. Um, and uh, I would just say that any sort of kind of engagement, hobbies, things to get you out of the house, you know, all those sorts of things we've seen have a, a very positive impact on um, people's kind of energy levels and and how much they're able to actually enjoy retirement. Yeah. Well, and again, these are five big places where we can certainly argue uh, about money when it comes to our finances, sources of tension. So whether it's arguing over how aggressive or, or not we are with our portfolio, uh, whether it's what kind of, you know, kind of age we want to retire at, the legacy to leave behind, where we're going to live, or just what overall retirement's going to look like, uh, why have this be a source of tension when we can have a conversation with each other? Kind of, you know, hopefully we've done this already, but again, many times couple they know they're going to fight. So they try to avoid, or maybe they're not as truthful, guys, as they might be with their partner when it's just them, right? But sitting down in front of you know advisors like yourselves, now they're a little bit more comfortable because they feel like they've got this mediator who doesn't have a vested interest in the fight. They're just there to help provide the financial information. Is that fair? Yes. Yeah, yeah I would so. d- definitely agree with that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot of people feel better about doing that in front of an advisor, but it doesn't, again, <laughs> try not to catch your partner off guard by never having this conversation with them and just bringing something on them. So talk about it and work your way through it and hopefully maybe use this podcast as a catalyst if you need that, if you're having trouble with uh, your spouse and this, hey, listen to this. this is, maybe this will kind of get you guys talking or whatever. And then sit down with a qualified pro like John and Nick uh, to, you know, to go through the process and see what it is that you need to do to uh, tackle these items and get on to the same page. So reach out to them, pfgprivatewealth.com. That's where you can find them online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, pfgprivatewealth.com. You can find Retirement Planning Redefined on Apple, Google, or Spotify, whatever podcasting platform app you like to use. Just type that in the search box or again, stop by the website, pfgprivatewealth.com. Guys, thanks for hanging out and breaking this down a little bit for us this week. I always appreciate your time. For John and Nick, I'm your host, Mark. We'll see you next time here on the show.